Okay, people, for the Props Network, this is Just for Sport, and my guest coming up is NBA champion Karan Butler. His life story is amazing. And in his second act, after his playing career and being an NBA champion, he's an entrepreneur, TV personality, got his own podcast, got a movie being done about him by Mark Wahlberg. It's just great. And we talk about his life story. And this, including just announcing Emmy nomination for Seeing is Believing, the Karan Butler story, which I executive produced. We talk about that. We talk about his career, starting as a rookie, playing against Michael Jordan during his final season in the NBA, being a teammate of Kobe Bryant's on the Lakers. Uh, we both share our stories about the pandemic and what we've been doing uh, to stay healthy, uh, to stay productive, and uh, just share what we've been going through. Uh, and we talk about the last dance. I mean, how, how can you not? It's been one of the best sports things that's happened to us without having sports, live sports to watch. And then we also talk about how the NBA should proceed if Adam Silver gives a green light to resume the season, which may start with just the playoffs. So if it is going to start with the playoffs, I finally ask Karan Butler who he thinks the favorite would be to win the NBA championship. This is Just for Sport. We're going to start here in three, two, one. All right, Karan, thank you very much for giving me some of your time on the pod. I really appreciate it. How are you doing on the West Coast? Man, I'm doing good, bro. Uh, stand, stand low. Today I had a substitute teacher that had a fill-in, which was my wife. So I didn't have to do all the Zoom calls and everything like that. So I've been chilling, so I'm grateful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's awesome because uh, we are all learning about what it's like to be a teacher. <laughs> fourth grade is different especially when you got to show your work they they don't want to see you know they carry the two and put that mm -hmm. over it the, nah they, they they do it a whole different way now yeah so even when you show the work it's wrong yeah the my first two days of being home with my kids i so my two three of my brothers really uh my youngest brother he's trying to get into uh, dcps my mom and my sister-in-law are all teachers. I called them up immediately like, yo, I don't know how y'all do, do it. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, listen, from here on out, I'm telling you, when things hopefully get back to normal, and it will at some point because this shall pass, I'm taking apples, Starbucks coffee to the teachers that teach my children, That's you awesome. know, just to let them know my appreciation. Yeah. Cause, cause they deserve it. I mean, oh man, we're one of the few countries that actually don't pay teachers like some of the highest salaries. You know, um, that's a problem. It is. It really is because you know they're they are educating our future. The president of the United States had to be taught by someone. You know, all the way down, everybody. You know, in life, you, me, we all were brought up by teachers one way or another. And to think that in many ways, a lot of them are either thought of as like not very important and, and paid that way is really sad. Yeah, it's um, sad, man. And, you know, whoever did teach, you know, our current sin president, I'm pretty sure they're not going to raise their hand and let everybody know that <laughs> <laughs> that they was the one. <laughs> the I'm just putting that out there. Just putting it out there. You know what I'm saying? Maybe the president before that. I taught him that. Yeah. I taught him that. <laughs> yeah. <He's> like, what? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Just putting that out there. You, you have been on the go for so long, not just as a player, but now in your post-playing career, 
you know, you've got podcasts, you're an entrepreneur, NBA TV, working for doing some of the Wizards broadcasts. How difficult was it for you to say, okay, I, I got to stop. I'm just, I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to be at home and, and I got to adjust to it. Was that hard for you? Well, you know, family is, is, you know, outside of faith, family is number one. And then, you know, my family safety has always been priority. And I actually removed myself from traveling two weeks prior to mm. everyone being banned from traveling just because I, I have uh, a daughter who has diabetes mm -hmm. and, um, you know, she's immune compromised. So I cannot, I would never forgive myself if I'm traveling to do a job that, you know, I love to do and that I really like doing, but something that I don't have to do and to put my family in harm's way. Yeah. Um, I, I pivoted out that space immediately. I was just like, I'm going to work from, you know, my home studio if y'all need me, sound bites, whatever, I'm there. But unfortunately, I can't be traveling because of the safety of my family. So it was different. But at the same time, it's like, that's everything at the end of the day. Everything that all the hard work that you're doing is to, you know, enhance your legacy, your descendants. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't want to put them in harm's way. That's understandable. And I'm sure, like you mentioned, family first for, for you in your thoughts of staying home. It's like now you get to see them all the time. So there are probably a lot of moments that you're like, man, I, you know, you, you didn't get to witness and now you can. Man, bro, I spent so – because immediately I've always been a guy that wanted to make a seamless transition from mm -hmm. retirement. So I never really retired because I went right into my, my second act. Yeah. And this is the first time that I have had to just be – kind of back and now I'm still doing a ton of work like I'm shooting my podcast I'm doing interviews with close friends like yourself and things like that but outside of that it's just like I'm picking and choosing exactly what I want to do but for the most part I'm spending more than you know 14 15 hours amongst my loved ones daily yeah. and that's that's a big thing for me how much do you enjoy so tough juice podcast do not you not just enjoy doing it but like to understand the technical aspects of it. Cause you know, some episodes you got like four cameras and everybody talking. <laughs> I, I know it's a lot, but you know, it, it actually, once you learn it, it's pretty seamless. It's pretty cool to do it this way. Yeah, I, I actually enjoy doing it like this a little more. Uh, you know, like I'm, I, I always wanted the, the visual and audio component because I think that, you know, audio wise is cool, but you know, people love the visual because they love to see like the, 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 the host and the person that you're asking the questions with the featured guest just getting all animated and into it. So I, I'm, I'm a huge visual guy and it's been fun because right now this is a time where, I mean, absolutely nobody can say that they can't come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean. You, 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 you practice to say uh, stay at home and social distancing, so you gotta be available. Yeah, and it's easy to just click on and just hop on for forty minutes or thirty-five minutes or whatever the case, wherever the conversation may take you. And I've I've had the privilege to just meet a lot of people in my life where I don't I don't typically have sports conversations. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about entrepreneurship talking about mental health, physical, physical health, all those things. And it's something to take from, you know, everyone last from my shows. Yeah. 
Uh, you've had a wide range of guests on the show too. Uh, Luis Guzman, Jennifer Welter, uh, it's Dame Dash, CJ McCollum was another podcast that I, that I really enjoyed listening to. How do you pick your guests? How do you decide what topic you want to discuss? Because you also had the topic you were discussing uh, race when you had yeah. Kyle Corver on, you know, so you really span a lot of topics that are not just topical because it's in the news, but stuff that I imagine you want, you're inquisitive about as well. So the crazy thing is the way I choose my guests is I, I, I got a, I got a board. Uh, it's actually in the bedroom and I have a list of very intriguing people that I have relationships with. Um, it's just like a catalog of names and I go down those names that's in my phone that I have personal relationships with. And I'm just like, it'd be dope to talk to him about this topic one day. It'd be great to kind of elaborate on this, you know, because what happens is that, you know, us as, you know, celebrities or, you know, influencers or whatever, we're at all these gathering locations so many times and you bump into, you know, people that you drawn to the energy and you're like, Whoa, I didn't know he was so cool. I would love to talk to him about, I never knew that about that person. Mm -hmm. And, but you never get a chance to really elaborate on it just because, you know, it's just in that moment. So yeah, yeah. I always make mental notes and just like, it'd be cool to talk to him about that one day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just to get his perspective, uh, perspective and observation on it. And I got a list of guys and that's what I do. I just pull, I'll be like, yo, this who I'm talking to today. I call him up and it in the next 48 hours, you know, we're going to have the discussion and then, you know, we put it out and let the world uh, learn from it. And obviously it's very informative for me as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and I like that, you know, your Rolodex is probably ridiculous, definitely ridiculous <laughs> compared to mine, the number of people that, you know, stars, celebrities, athletes, but it's not just celebrities and athletes. Like you are picking people that you find interesting, which is really good, which really is, makes it a better interview because it really is about the topic in that person. Yeah, it really is, man. It's like right now people are worrying about, you know, businesses, small businesses, big businesses, all those things. And, you know, I had someone that I really wanted to bring on that had a wealth of knowledge in that space. Um, and that was Ty Lopez. You know, so he's going to be my next guest coming on next week. And he's talking about just the volatile market and where it's at right now. And some of the things that, you know, people can be doing, you know, um, people that's living check to check or waiting on a check or some people that have, you know, extra capital to burn that, you know, want to invest in uh, and pivot in that space in some type of way. These are some of the things that, you know, he know that some of his friends and himself is doing and he's giving observation from his perspective on what, you possibly can be doing, you know, and I think it's just an educational, you know, lesson. And, you know, we, we got so many more like special, special guests coming on. Like it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. And it's only just getting started. And I had like some great guests already, but it's just <laughs> going to keep, it's Mark just going to keep like, the yeah, list yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark Carey champion, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Jamil Hill, like so many, man. And, it's just going to keep getting better and better because the conversations that I'm having and what I'm being exposed to is just, you know, it's changing daily and I want to inform people that follow me. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, the other aspect of what you, you know, you talk about transitioning, you never stop from when you were playing to now, you're also a business owner. Mm -hmm. What has it been like for you trying to adjust to that during this pandemic? You know, you own franchises, you started new businesses in LA. How did you, how are you adjusting to that? And maybe if you could explain some of the decisions that you had to make to make sure that your employees are taken care of, but that you also are looking at the big picture with the business in the future. Well, the sad thing is that, you know, um, you know, I, we, we did a capital call with the graduate hotels and we had one uh, that was supposed to open on mm. stores campus at UConn uh, this past April. And we had to clearly pull the plug on that. So everything got shifted, you know, so a lot of our workers have been sent on furloughs, unfortunately, you know, with the grads, uh, hotels, um, with juice buds, you know, guys are still busy for some reason, a great reason for us, but for some reason, I think that, you know, takeout and delivery has been extremely popular right now, mm-hmm. you know, so we've been able to, you know, distribute and give out a lot of orders. We do everything in-house at our kitchen. Uh, Spectrum, Spectrum News is doing a huge story on us. We also had various other smaller news networks do stories on us where they showed, you know, our parameters in our kitchen and people was intrigued by, you know, the safety protocols that, you know, some of our workers that was taken and then still shipping and delivering and arriving to you same day. So that's kind of been like our new niche. So business has actually been thriving a little better, you know, for mm. juice buds in that space. But, you know, from the franchise space, you know, we have a spot on Melrose. We're still doing takeout with Fallow Bar and, you know, in the mall, you know, we shut down because the mall is shut down. So yeah. Activity yeah. In there. But, you know, it's just, it's just one of those things, you know, I'm a real estate owner as well, you know, multiple properties back home in Wisconsin where we know that if the individuals that are some of our attendants, that's not in the essential field, uh, we cut their rent in half. You know, mm-hmm. we, we've been, you know, very consciously aware of that, you know, I wouldn't want anyone to, you know, worry about whether they was going to have shelter over their head or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that's something that we've been very aware of as a family. Uh, I've enjoyed speaking of family, looking at some of the videos, you're exercising in the morning where, by the way, by the third video, you were sitting in the back of the chair for one of the videos. Tired, bro. You know, Tired. <laughs> but I give you credit. I don't remember which daughter it was at the moment. She hit a tennis ball over your house and you ran through the house and got on the other side. Hey, I hey. almost caught it. You did. You did. I almost you caught did. People, hey, everybody was calling me like, Yo, bro, yeah, you you could have caught that. I said <laughs> I had my house shoes on. And this the only reason fast break in my, no. in my CVs, you know. No, man, I had my house shoes on, and and I actually walked into it because she was just like, "I bet you can't do this," and I was like, "I was like, do it." And my wife just pulled out her camera, and and it just became a video, but it it wasn't rehearsed or anything. We did it like twelve times. Girl, what? Bro, we kept wow. doing it because I was like, all right, let me try again. I was sweating. Yeah. And I had I, I slept good that night, to say the least. I bet you did. But I, I almost you. got there. I almost you did. got it. <laughs> you did. I, I gotta give you credit for that one. That was really good. Um, um to switch subjects to something that's really sad as we as I kind of started it on this pandemic. Um this has probably been, would you say, the toughest NBA season to deal with 
um, the loss of David Stern, uh, the commissioner when you were you were playing, uh, the loss of Kobe Bryant, your teammate. You know, uh, some argue that he may be the best player or one of the top three in the NBA. And then the pandemic to shut down the season. I heard you talk about it on several uh, occasions and including on your podcast at CJ McCollum. Is it maybe better to say, you know what, let's just stop this season and, and say in the memory of them, let's maybe say, okay, we will not do this season because we're getting close to the point where really it's almost the off season and you would start getting ready. If you were still playing today, you'd be getting ready for the next season. Yeah. I think that a lot of things have shifted and this has been this, uh, as you touched on Jamoke, like this, a horrific turn of events, you know, first the commissioner, uh, then my brother Kobe Bryant, you know, passes, you know, tragically with his daughter and, seven others and it was just like one of those situations where you know we was this morning and I think that you know live sports kept us engaged and helped the process mm-hmm. you know what I mean it took our mind off the realities of the world and our situation and we all was mourning together as a world as a as a fraternity the NBA and when when everything stopped again it kind of just like <laughs> what now, like what next? And here we go again. And I think that now it's just been like a, 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 a so many turning events. And now you just want to get back to some sense of normal as fast and as fast as possible. And I, I do think that we're going to have a season. Mm. I really do. I, I do think we're going to have a season and I do think that we're going to go straight to the playoffs. And unfortunately, the te- the season that some of the teams that's sitting on the outside looking in or one game out or whatever, unfortunately, because of unprecedented times, it might just go straight to, you know, playoff basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, however, I I think that safety is the number one thing. But it's a lot of things to take take in consideration. When you when you see Kevin Durant, when you see Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, James Harden. Uh, LeBron James, those type of figures and names, you know, the the superstar, the real needle movers of the association, Giannis, Mm -hmm. you know, they meet up and they say that, you know what, via phone call, you know, get this word out to Adam that we want to play basketball. They understand that it's risk and they understand that, but they feel like for the best interest of the game of basketball, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's, it's time to give it a shot. And, and see what happened, you know, and I think that it's going to be uh, trial and error. I think it's going to be a lot of things out there, but the NBA is a business and our business was suffering from viewership prior to any of this. Mm-hmm. And now people are watching something that happened 25, 30 years ago with the last dance and viewership is through the roof. So imagine what live entertainment would do right now. And I think that the players see a void and a chance for us. It's risk, but it's a, definitely a chance to, you know, capitalize on live entertainment space right now. And, you know, guys are trying to figure out if if there's a way to actually perform and be productive, they're going to possibly do it. If they're going to possibly do it and they're in their homes right now playing basketball or maybe going to a private gym, how long do you think you need to train to be ready to play again? And then, as you mentioned, 
Now we're not saying, okay, we'll start the season. We got like 10 games, 15 games, and then we'll do the playoffs. No, you're in the playoffs immediately and probably in the shortened playoffs, right? Like maybe a best of three, maybe the finals will be best of five. But, you know, you've got to get your body ready for that. So are we talking a month from now before you would even think of, okay, let's have the playoffs? Or realistically, the players are probably in their mind getting ready now for, okay, we'll be ready in a week. We're ready to go. It's almost, I, I think, you can put it in the terms of the closest thing I've seen to it was 2011, 2012 start to the season with the lockout. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget. We was locked down and we was just training at Grover's until first week of December. And then like December 8th or 9th or something like that. It was like, all right, lockout lifted free agency. They gave us like three days. <laughs> and then we went, yeah, you know what I'm saying? And then we went right into the season. So it was just like, whoa. And then, like, we're playing basketball. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be one of those situations that, like, think about it. First week of December, lockout year in 2011, 2012, playing. I was playing uh, a couple of days before Christmas on national television yeah. with the yeah. Clippers. So it's just it's going to be one of those things. And – my, one of my biggest concerns outside of, you know, people, you know, being safe with the COVID and the virus being out there is that, you know, once you just, you, you, you're, you're relaxed and you're chilling and then you're trying to ramp up, you have complications even when you have access to a gym. Yeah. So now you have to do pretty much, you know, cardio stuff amongst your house or the confines of your house and you're not able to play one-on-one basketball all that stuff so it is gonna I think it's gonna be a lot of injuries I I think it's gonna be a lot of injuries but I think that the players are understanding and I think the 15th is the first paycheck that I think 25 or 30 percent of the payroll is kind of deducted so this is the first time that players be losing money players will lose a billion dollars like uh BRI is going to be affected. The mm-hmm. cap rate is shifted. All these things. So it's just like <laughs> you got to do yeah. something or try to do something in order to, you know, save 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 as much value for the game and for your contracts that, that you possibly yeah. can. Okay, here's a, a curveball because I really I want to move on. I want to get to last dance, but there's something I wanted to ask you as a player. There's trash talking going on on the in the game now. You may not be mic'd, but if you're playing without fans, you know, I guess you can maybe pump music all the time. If you have on-camera mics, you almost have to be quiet because I just don't see a network, even if you put a delay on it, being able to, to keep delaying if there's cursing or giving away a secret or ref talking to a, a, a player uh, about a foul. There's so many things that probably the NBA wouldn't necessarily want out there that would become out there just because the gym is empty and quiet. There's going to be a lot of things that's going to be non-conventional, but the one thing that's going to be the ultimate carrot because people are going to have to get past or possibly not hearing. And I heard like having a simulation where you have the crowd and all that stuff, but I think people just got to get past the fact that you're probably not going to hear sound or anything like that, but you're just going to, you know, see a live game with possibly no tape delay. And let's mm-hmm. face it, you see it with, uh, what is it, uh, Korean baseball? You see yeah. it right now. I, I, watched the, I watched the game, and I've, I'm not a huge baseball fan, but I have been to a baseball game before, and I didn't notice the difference. 
Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I was watching and I was just like, I'm just happy to see something live. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I think that fans <laughs> are going to be like, I don't care if they play at wherever. As long as they play and they compete, it's something fresh, it's new content. Let's yeah. check it out. Yeah, I watched tennis with one camera, along with baseball, but watched tennis with one camera that wasn't even really high enough. You could barely see the player on the other end of the court, but it was like, okay, this is how the, the, the new norm. Man, bro, we watching horse racing. We are. We are. <laughs> virtual on, horse man. racing, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You watch it, you like, man, this, give me something. Give me something. Give me anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Something. Speaking of give me anything, ESPN maybe have given us the best documentary ever. I love their 30 for 30s, but I don't know if anything can beat The Last Dance. There are some things that I'm critical of, but overall, I've really enjoyed it. What have you enjoyed the most out of watching this documentary? So I've been a huge fan of Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls. I grew up in Racine, Wisconsin, just north of Chicago. And that was my team. Uh, um, I knew pretty much everything. And back in 2002 at the rookie transition, the NBA vault had shown us the, the same clip and trailer and everything y'all seeing right now. They, at NBA transition, they was like, look, this is the documentary. And it was put on ice for 20-some years. They showed us this. Everything y'all watching – they showed us. So I was like, yo, like back in 2002, I'm like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> and then they was like, Michael don't want it to come out. It's not coming out. I was like, what? I was wow. like, yo, you got to show this. Like yeah, Michael yeah, Jordan yeah. cussing, smoking cigars. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. Yeah. You know what? I look at, and, and I think that the story of Craig Hodges and his, just his importance to the Chicago runs, I'm I'm disappointed that he's not being shown more. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I also, because the editing was done, I know, strategically by Michael Jordan. And, you know, Andrew, a- a- Andrew Thompson did an excellent job producing the doc. That's my guy. I love him. But I feel like, you know, Scottie Pippen comes out of this doc looking extremely bad. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be shocked if, he give his version on his own doc someday. Mm, wow. Yeah, because I just think that from a legacy standpoint, you already knew the Tony Kukoc thing. Now you see the layers of the contract situation, electing mm-hmm. to have surgery right before the season because you was disappointed. Like, it's just, it's so many, it's like, man, I, I can't wait till Scotty come out with his own doc to <laughs> give his, the who, the what, and the when, and the how, his version. I can't wait for that. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm, I, I do think they put Pippen and Krause in a really bad light. Now, I don't agree with Krause about the old oh, player. Players do – come on. It starts with the players win a championship. Okay, we can admit, even for me, okay, fine. I can say, yeah, I was a producer and I did some stuff on camera for the Wizards, but I know that the winning had to do with the players on the court, on the court first. Yeah, I, I was shocked when he said – Players win, I would say, organizations win championships. championships I was yeah. like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's part of it because the organization is obviously the platform and they build the culture, right? But mm-hmm. the players ultimately do both. They, they yeah. give you a platform because people want to watch them. They're the carrot. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's showing up to see some of these owners play basketball. They're right, coming right. to the players. And I think that 
what's unfortunate as well that a lot of people aren't talking about, and I'm glad you brought it up, is that with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and all those guys, this is the first dynasty. You think about Shaq and Kobe. God rest his soul. Detroit took them out where it was just like, well, maybe it's time to split them up. When mm-hmm. you think about, you know, the big three, Miami went through them. When you think about the big three in Miami, you know, San Antonio mm-hmm. got in them. San Antonio mm-hmm. gave up one if it wasn't for the Ray Allen shot. Mm-hmm. We'd probably be looking at LeBron and his legacy totally different right mm-hmm. now. And with the legacy of Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, Scottie Pippen, all of those guys, front office inserted their self into that. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, why would you mess up something like yeah. that? Basketball fans got cheated out of history because of, you know, some kind of, I, I would just say incompetence from, you know, front office. Mm-hmm. You know, just thinking, you know, your ego and not mistreatment and all that stuff. So it's going to be more dynasties. We saw something, a glimpse of it with the Warriors. But yeah. it's going to be another dynasty. And this is a lesson for front office. If it's mm-hmm. a, a luxury tax, pay it. Treat yeah. your players right because players win championships. Yeah, yeah. And the organization is there to support the players is, is 100%. What, what it is. Um, I also feel like the tough part for me as we get ready to watch the last two episodes is that ending to seven, that was tough. I mean, to hear Jordan almost starting to tear up about, hey, don't blame me for being who I am. You know, I didn't like how he said, hey, you are you don't like me because you maybe didn't win anything. I didn't like that comment. But that was like, to me, that was the best ending. Just be like, I- I'm done. I-, I can't even talk anymore because I am getting emotional at the thought of people not understanding me as a player and what I did to get here. Because you, I think that he said it so well and on point that that was this Michael Jordan pulling back the curtain and being completely authentic. Mm-hmm. And people never saw him in that light. You always saw Jordan Perfect, Gatorade commercial, Be Like Mike, Space Jam, all this thing. This is Jordan just being authentic, crying, being real, cut the camera because I gave it to you 100 proof. Mm-hmm. Now you want it watered down. I gave <laughs> it to you 100 proof. Yeah. I told you exactly what it is. Look, I went about it a, a, a non-conventional way. And success is not conventional. Like you have to be you know, a little wired different. You got to be able to take a little, you know, different approach to certain things. And I think Michael is the epitome of that, man. And that's why everybody continue to chase the ghosts of Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? And there's only one person that came close to that, and that's Kobe Bryant. And you know what? CB, in some ways you're selling selling yourself short about being close to it because you – I think have a magical, very magical way that you can describe your career against Michael Jordan. Your rookie season was his very last season. Yeah. That you're playing against Michael Jordan. And three of the games, you had double figures. So, you know, you may not have just given it to him per se, but you held up your side of the bargain with the Heat. What was that like playing against him? Yeah, listen, it was so crazy because Pat Riley had came in and he was like, I'm going to tell you all something. I don't want to see nobody shaking his hand, wearing his tennis shoes. I don't want to see none of that shit. 
in the locker room. He tough. He rah, you know, all everybody like, yo, Pat Riley tripping. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he get out there. <laughs> hey Mike, I'm gonna put your number in the rafters just for you, Mike. <laughs> hey, we was like, what? <laughs> what is he doing? <laughs> I was like, what is he doing? And he retired the number. But it was like, it was like, yo, pay homage, man. Like, it's the greatest ever. Mm -hmm. And man, it was just a special time. And every time I saw him, Kobe, any of them, it was just like, you wanted to have your best game because you knew you was playing against that. That yeah. like that that's the standard. And you yeah. just like, yeah. I want to see where I gauge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it was, yeah. like, special. It yeah, was just, like, yeah. special times, man. Kobe, Mike, LeBron, like, them dude, like, you like, yo. Yeah. I got one tonight. Like, <laughs> yeah. Get the popcorn. Yeah. I'm going to see where I'm at. If I get <laughs> double fingers, I'm solid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had a debate because we were like, yo, if you're LeBron for Smith, are you, like, mad that he killed you back at home the next night? Or you're like, yo, I got him at least one game. Yeah, I got one in off. In Chicago, right? Yeah. It's like a boxing match. You know, yeah. you're not going to land all your hits. But that one hit, boom, <laughs> might be a knockout. He, he remembered me. He remembered me so much, he put me in his dock. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. Hey, I'll put it on, I'll put it on repeat. I'll be telling my kids, hey, 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 come here. Look, Michael Jordan, <laughs> he talking about me. <laughs> he talking about me. That's right. That's right. He said my name. Yeah, your daddy um, a bad man. Your daddy yeah. a bad man. <laughs> What do you remember the emotion you felt like that first game walking on the court against him? Because actually, the funny thing is, the first game you had five points, Jordan had eight. So maybe uh -huh. that was like the beginning of the season, your rookie season. You're getting, you're starting to try to feel your way into it. But were you nervous? Did you like stare at him when you didn't think you should be staring at him? That's the goat, man. I was, you know, I was just watching him. I was watching his mannerisms. I was watching the way he was moving on the court. Uh, how he was getting to his spots, mm -hmm. like he just knew his way around the court, different than everyone else. Like he was praying, he knew exactly what he wanted to do. He got it, he, like got to his spots every time, and just dissected, you know, the game and the feel of where his opportunities was going to come from. And I was just like, I was just in awe because I played with super duper stars, like the guys that you can't tell the the story of basketball without mentioning. Mm -hmm. So. I've, I've got accustomed to just doing my thing in the midst of it. You know, I've played against Mike. I played with Kobe. I played with Gilbert when he was hibachi. I played with Dirk. I played with Blake, Chris Paul, <laughs> Kevin Durant, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, like, you know, Giannis. Like, I played with everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it just teaches you how to don't be in awe of what you're watching. Mm -hmm. but I was, a, I was a hell of a student of the game. I used to always watch film afterwards because I was just like, did, did, did he just really drop 48 or did, you know, like, so I'll watch film because I had to rewatch it because I didn't want to get caught up in it in the midst of the yeah. game. Yeah, so it was yeah. just, it was special, man. Yeah. Cause it's funny. Cause I mean, I guess technically, even if, if they're not dynamic plays, you get 10 a quarter, you got 40. Like, and you can, you know, maybe do not easily. Obviously, the NBA's hard, but, you know, lay up here, jump in here, a few free throws. It's like, boom, I got my 10. Okay, next quarter, next quarter, next quarter. But, I mean, it's just so dynamic. Yeah, there's um, certain guys that went in, man, that just said, look, I'm going to score 6 to 10 a quarter. And they, they get funky and they get it off. 
Mm-hmm. LeBron, I mean, you know, there's it, been a couple guys that have been able to do that. LeBron's been consistent for a long time with his all-around game. Mm-hmm. But I used to watch, you know, I, we've been in a locker room. Kobe be like, yo, get get your shots early. <laughs> like, you know, like one of those nights and you'd be like. <laughs> get your shots early. <laughs> and then there there he go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there he go. He going off. Yeah. <laughs> what, what was it like? playing with Kobe you got to play with Kobe in 2004 was he the closest player to Michael Jordan that you got to play with which is different than playing against him but in your mind I mean it must have been amazing to play with him as you were coming into your own that you know what it was crazy because everything that they taught me in Miami was just like a build-up to what I was about to experience with the Lakers because I always just talk to, you know, CB, do this, do that. Pay attention to this, pay attention. So he wasn't available for that season to be like the leader that we needed him to be in a franchise guy. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, I still had Eddie Jones, Brian Grant. All, they did a great job as well, but just still wasn't the same having that 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 one guy. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I come to the Lakers and Kobe was just that, you know, he was – telling us what to do, showing us, and doing it in the game in real time. So it was just like I saw his worth ethic. He was a big brother to me. He took me under his wing. And then, you know, he was in the game. I saw him like, okay, the hard work, the preparation, all that happening in real time, and it was just special to watch. Yeah. Um, when when he passed, was there a, a moment, something that you remember that you know, I know you got interviewed a lot after, almost immediate after, but even like, you know, maybe last week or you showed some videos of him in his high school days dancing, just some things that maybe keep popping into your head, remembering Kobe. You know, I always remember our last conversation where, you know, Kobe used to always tell me to uh, this stay, stay goal oriented and, you know, we're going to be even better, you know, in, in our second acts. And you're still going to be hitting, hitting game winners and things like that in your next, in your next act. And that's what I was – I was just – man, I still look at text messages and stuff like that. You know, I, I've had numerous times because he was someone that I used to reach out like every other week. I just – you know, we talk about our kids. We talk about business. We talk about, you know, relationships and connections. If, if he can help me with anything. If there's ever anything I can help him with, it. you know, all those things. And um, just, you just miss it, man. It's like a void that just – that can't ever be replaced or filled or mm-hmm. refilled back up. But uh, I know he with me, man, like in spirit. And, you know, I try to just continue to stay true to exactly what our conversation was, that our second act is going to be better than our first. And mm-hmm. that's why I go so hard, man because I know he's watching and, you know, he's put me on the right path and gave me great guidance and leadership as a big brother before he left. Yeah. Me. You're really tough juice before DC, but I know coach Eddie Jordan gave you that name. Uh, would you say that does the with time with the wizard still haunt you in terms of what you think the team could have been that didn't accomplish it? 
especially maybe after winning the championship in Dallas, knowing what that feeling feels like of putting on that championship ring. Because that team of you, Arenas, and James, I mean, at one point, all three of you were averaging 20 points a game together. Like, it was so dynamic to see you all play. and You had a good supporting cast uh, around you, but never quite put it together. We, you know, I, I always it, – it would hurt more if Dallas and other things didn't happen because, you know, go to Dallas, you know, you go to – you know, you win a Western Conference title, you win a championship, and then I went to, you know, OKC, you win a division title, you get a couple games away, you lost in the Western Conference Finals to uh, the, the eventual champs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you win other division titles with the Clippers and stuff like Like, you, you have success other places. So if I never had success anywhere else, I would just be devastated. But I think that the experience in Washington prepared me and I think everybody just for life and also for wherever the next journey or the next stop was going to be because you had so much talent. And what happened is that we never bought into the idea or the concept that less, less is more. Mm. Um, And when I immediately, when I went to Dallas, it was like, when I came, Sean Marion was like, I'll come off the bench or he could start or, you know, whatever. Like it just immediately, like it was just, let's win a championship. We all got our money. Everybody got mm-hmm. paid before. Like it's, it's about winning. Like don't nobody care like about points. Like it, it, like certain things just wasn't glorified. Like if you, if you scored a ton of points and we didn't win, nobody cared. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's just that the, the the environment, the energy was just different. So you bought into that culture immediately because it was just like, all I want to do is win. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so, so fast forward after the Dallas experience, it it helped me because Washington was one thing where I was just like, I gotta score, I gotta, I gotta show my value, I gotta, I gotta be that third option, that second option, sometimes even the first option. I like Gilbert got hurt, gotta be the first. Like you just, like I gotta be there, I gotta be consistent, night in and night out, no matter what. I gotta put up these numbers. And then when you go to Dallas, that experience helped me. So when I went to uh, the Clippers, it was just like, man, only thing matters is winning. Extra pass, all this stuff. And then I was the vet talking to the young guys where, mm. you know, Blake Griffin cared about making sure that he was the superstar. Chris Paul wanted everybody to know he was the superstar and his leadership and this this was kind of his team. You know, so it was just, it was like, now you've seen it from a different observation. Yeah. And it, but it helped me. It really did. It helped me. And I'm glad I grew from that experience. Yeah. Where's your ring? Do you, do you wear it often? It's in my you, safe. No, I don't yeah. wear it often. I, I wear it like in the summer sometime, like certain events. Like if we have a, like a golf outing or something. Yeah. I wear it. Yeah. Bragging rights. Yeah. <laughs> That's man, those some serious bragging rights. <laughs> and yeah. speaking of bragging rights, congratulations to you and and to me as well that we got nominated for an Emmy for seeing his belief. You the man, yeah. you the man, brother. You the man, brother. Hey man, hey, this is this is story. major. It hey, was your story. Hey bro, you you know, let me tell you, you guys had a vision, and you know all I had to do was just you know, put my guard down and let y'all vision happen. And y'all did a remarkable job at, you know, 
covering everything, you know, going back to racing, coming out here to Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I, I would not have been more comfortable with anybody else doing that, mm. you know, because of our history. I was just like, go, like, what you need? Like, go ahead. Yeah. So yeah. it was just, it, it was powerful, bro. And I hope that uh, it's, it's an honor to be nominated, but I hope we win this thing, man, right. because a lot went into it and we deserve it. We made the playoffs. Now we got to hopefully win made the championship. Made the playoffs, man. That, yeah. that <laughs> That's big, bro. That's big. <laughs> Salute. What, 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 um, what, what do you remember most about, maybe not the experience of doing a documentary, because you also have a book about your life too, but I feel like you have one, one of the better stories um, of, of anybody in the NBA because it's lasted so long. People still talk about your story and how it can help uh, kind of motivate other young men out there. And now you got Mark Wahlberg who is gonna turn it into a movie. And I know yeah. you may have to stop down, but you know that was leading me into what's the next step for telling the Tough Two story? Well, you know, I, I'm telling it in different versions like, I, I'm going to announce sometime next week, but I'll tell you now, but with a certain publishing company, uh, we, got a, we got a children book series that's coming. What? Yeah. Like where we're just telling the story from a different observation. Like we're like with tough juice, we talked about, you know, the journey from all of a sudden I'm selling drugs and I had a paper out. I did this. I did detective Geller, but now we're going to go into like the beginning of the trauma where like a lot of kids, you know, experience, you know, mm -hmm. from, you know, the age of four to 11 years old, where so much happening and going on. So I'm going to talk about those stories. I'm going to talk about some of the characters that was in my life, some of my friends that wasn't as fortunate as I am, and they're no longer, you know, here amongst us on earth. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it's, it's been pretty dope to be able to tell that story. But I think that the reason why it's so feeling like fulfilling for a lot of people for me is because people love success stories. People love people that go through adversity and find a way to find themselves out, out of the woods. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Oh man. It, it was, it was great. And thank you very much for letting us be a part of it. And we look forward to getting to the movie. If I can get an invitation to the red carpet, the first debut, I may just buy a plane ticket. I'll, be, I'll just be out there and be like, hey, come on, what's up, what's up? Um, it'll be, it's going to be so Powerful, great to bro. See. Yeah, and, and you can catch uh, Seeing is Believing the Karan Butler story of Monumental Sports Network Crazy. as well. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Um, so you got a children's book. What else are you you doing? I mean, it's it's wonderful to see you kind of just grasping in, in, in really – putting yourself out there, exploring different avenues of not just, not about making the money, but really just exploring what life has to offer. It's crazy because I, I serve on the board at the Vera Institute, mass incarceration, and I visit correctional facilities all the time. And the reason why the children books in the series had came along is because when I was going to these correctional facilities, so many of the adults was like, man, if, if some of the stories were just not so black and white and so like you know the snow whites and the seven doors like the mm -hmm. the observation of these stories got to be different they got to be mm -hmm. talking about what we're going through right now and the cause and effect in real time 
And I was just like, whoa, like that's powerful. And it gave me a thought and the idea that I have a massive platform and a lot of people have seen seeing this believing. A lot of people read the book. A lot of people are going to watch the movie and they see different things and they see me as somewhat of a successful individual on television because you're on television or you have mm-hmm. followers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what? I want to be like that or be somewhat like that one day. So it's very important that I not only inform, but I educate. And with my platform, I just want to educate as much as possible. And this is a great opportunity for me to, I I love creating content. So this is an opportunity for me to create something, give it, give it back. And that's a way for me for uplifting some of these kids out here that's looking for direction that may lack a role model or leadership or some guidance. And this is the way of me just giving back. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Thank you so much. I mean, even back to the, when we used to do the, the, the 3d awards back in the day, yeah. you know, and I go and visit with the kids who won and they were just so excited. Like, Oh my gosh, come on, brother. Like it was just, you know, you, Bro, like well, you said, that's powerful though, but you know, that's what happens like with a lot of, I think players, like, and I think you can't, you have to understand this, that the roar of the crowd is not for you it's for what you can do. And when you can't do it no more, they'll be cheering for somebody else. So how do you separate yourself from everyone else? How do you have real impact? Because you're going to make millions of dollars playing the game of basketball or somewhat of, you know, a lot of money. And you should be all right if you invest wisely and do proper things. But, man, the biggest form of giving back is just, like, inspiring. You know yeah. what I mean? And I yeah. think that's just, that's the wave, man. It's like these kids need to be inspired and they're turning on, they, they, they picking up these devices. They go into computers. They, they watching people that they're moved by and that they see on mm-hmm. television and all these things. So why not give them something like, huh, this is, mm-hmm. this is my experience. And I know this will help you no matter what walk of life you come from. Yeah. I know this will help you. Yeah. So check it out. And, and organizations may not help a team win championship the same way, but I give, give got to give a shout out to the VP of community relations, Sashia Jones, because That's my girl. she has been so integral, I'm sure in many ways to helping you. The fact that she helped uh, John and Brad today and helping them understand the importance of what they should be doing to help teach people and give back in the community. Man, listen, Sashia Jones, Darren Jenkins, uh, Jackie Miles, all look, they the realest, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And Sashia, I, I call her the the mother of the Washington <laughs> Wizards. I was just like, yo, you're the you're the mother, like you're everybody's mother. Like you take on that role without even knowing, just because, you know, when I was there, she always made sure I was straight. Sashia would not let any wrongdoing or harm come to me. Mm-hmm. And she always was like this a big sister, just guiding me. You know what I'm saying? So she's been like that for everybody that came through there. Now she's, you know, guiding John. She's helping Brad. She's helping anybody that want to be helped and also who don't want to be helped. She's just going out her way above and beyond to help. And, you know, it's good to have people like that, you know, with an organization. A couple of things to end with. I, I love seeing you with the straws. I imagine no more straws, no more Mountain Dews for you. Um, 
you know, for anybody who's who's watching and don't know that CB used to always keep a straw in his mouth <laughs> when he was playing, even so much so that the league had to ban it. Had to, had yeah, to ban they, straws. I, I'm still tripping on that. I, my straws <laughs> got banned. I was upset about that. But at the same time, I never forget, you know, one of the best owners ever in the history of all sports, Mark Cuban came and said, do do you need those straws to play well? Because I had two bad games in a row, and I yeah, I was like, man, my nerves. I was like, something ain't right. He said, do you need those straws to play well? I said, yes. He's like, chew the straws. Yeah, don't worry about the fine. <laughs> chew the straws, and that's what I did. I chewed the hell out the straws, man. <laughs> I was like, back to the straws we go, baby. <laughs> if you're if you're a betting man, last question. If you're a betting man, and the NBA does come back. Best team to win the NBA championship. Who's going to take it? So this is crazy. I think this is a long but correct answer. Look, I think that with momentum, a lot of things got to happen. Like momentum, and then when that energy is disturbed, it messes up a lot. Mm. LeBron was having just one of those moments where he went through the Bucks. He beat Giannis on the head-to-head. He was guarding him, Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. He had a great road win, came back. Like, it seemed like they were starting to get out of that funk. And boom, this happened. And I think that a lot of people are just going to be out of rhythm, out of flow. Mm-hmm. Now, the two teams that really scared me, we all know – and to your point, and I think this is going to be accurate, there's going to be a three-game series in the first round, second round, possibly uh, finals, the, uh, the conference Eastern finals. The conference and finals. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. So think about this. If you had to play James Harden, who's rested, and Russell Westbrook, they can win you a game yeah. or two games <laughs> or two. in a three-game series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That is a yeah. scary team. That is wow. a scary, scary team. Yeah. But my favorite to win, outside of that, I'm still going to go with the Lakers just because I think that the urgency will be there for LeBron because watching this Jordan doc and watching, you know, everything and the information thrown at him, I think he really understands that he still has some ways to go before his legacy is matched up with a few guys that he's possibly chasing still. Yeah. And, you know, that's the only way to make it right if you win because – I think after this season, you may have one more where you got a favorable chance. But after that, I think that that window is going to be closed. You just mentioned uh, LeBron legacy playing in L.A. He's, well, was recording, uh, doing Space Jam 2. And I remember doing a Jordan doc. They talk about those pickup games, building this, you know, a state-of-the-art basketball facility so Jordan could play while he was filming. Did you ever play – and what was the wildest pickup game where you were like, man, this, this is like all Hall of Famers. This is the best – this is better than NBA game watching all of these guys play. That was crazy because remember the Pump It Up Joe Buns video? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm the guy in the Pump It Up video at the end, Duncan. <laughs> I'm I don't remember it that well. Okay, okay. Yeah, Pump, pump It Up. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm Duncan at the end of the video – with all the girls dancing with the mm-hmm, basketball mm-hmm. jerseys, right? So that night, everybody wanted to, you know, play a little pickup game. And this is like in Dade County. So, like, I mean, all the players – I think Zoe Summer Groove or something was going. Mm-hmm. All the NBA players was down there. 
So we ended up playing pickup outside, and everybody that at that summer groove that year of 2003 was out there on the basketball court playing what? basketball. So you think about Tim Hardaway, all the – I mean, all the who's who's, man, everybody. They was out there on that pickup court playing basketball. That's pretty cool. That was like the craziest. I was just like, yo, this is sick. And outside of that, you know, playing at the Berry Farms where, you you know, you got Michael Beasley, Gilbert, myself, uh, uh, Kevin Durant, uh, everybody just pulling up. Yeah. Like that was just, you know, it was always fun just because, you know, anybody can be on the court at any given time. Yeah. Thank you so much, CB. I really appreciate you coming on Just for Sport. Thank you. No problem, brother. All right, y'all. Hope y'all enjoyed the pod. I did. I want to thank Karan Butler again for joining me. You can catch my past pod on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, all of those. Please support, leave a review. I really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll have more to come. Next week, my guest will be David Aldrich from The Athletic. Ciao for now.